What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative, and I'm your host, Brett McGrath. I am drinking coffee. I am alone at the headquarters right now. This is a rare occurrence. My daughter is on a play date with my wife, and I was getting some work done, and it was time to record an episode. Feeling a lot of energy, I have spent the last three days watching every moment of the NFL draft. I'm going to get into that. When I haven't been watching the draft, I've been watching wrestling in the NBA playoffs. I have been consumed by sports and entertainment um, the last several days, and I'm here for it. We all need a little break. We all need to be entertained, and we also all need to be enjoying collecting sports cards. I think that's why you're here. I want to thank just a monster unofficial sponsor that we have on board this week, and that's the Whole Foods, Amazon delivery of it all. So tired of going to the grocery store, tired of going through and not getting what we want, the elbows, the hustle, the bustle, the maneuvering, the looking up and down the aisle. We're done with that. We don't need to do that anymore. We just pick up our phones, we go to the app, and we order the food we need, and it goes straight to our door. So shout out to mega unofficial sponsor, Whole Foods and the Amazon delivery of it all, making busy parents' lives easier. We're dialing into the second round of the NBA playoffs. Still, as I record this, you know, there's a delay here, but um, there's still Game 7s going on. Excited to watch that Warriors-Kings game today, um, but we were right into the second round. And this round I'm I'm particularly fond of. I feel like we get very competitive basketball. I'm certainly thrilled to watch LeBron James some more. You know, I I'm an outsider with no team in this looking in. I just want to see the stars. I just want to watch guys who have legacy, who are trying to add to that legacy, continue to Dribble the basketball, shoot the basketball, pass the basketball, dunk the basketball, all those things. And so when I think about, you know, a guy like LeBron James, it's it's very much to me like a Tiger Woods comparison where it's like, if that athlete is on the TV, I'm going to stop and I'm going to watch that athlete. And to me, that's what it should be all about. Um, Now, we can consider ourselves fans or not of certain players, but I think a trait that makes athletes superstars in my mind is the ability to be able to do that to fans. Stop, watch, and get sucked in. I'll never forget, um, and I feel like this is maybe not intended to be, but some sort of a tribute to LeBron, but I'll never forget Heat LeBron, we the heel version of LeBron. Um, you think about the mask, you think about the not one, not two, not three, all the championships, you're taking the talents to South Beach. You look at the trajectory of LeBron James's career and you map it to professional wrestling. He's in that mode on the Miami Heat. He's like tribal chief uh, Roman Reigns. Okay, very much. Very. I could write a book about the parallels between these two, but very much a heel, but also very popular at the same time. You know, uh, matching up with Dwayne Wade, matching up with Chris Bosh. But I'll never forget. This moment of the first game, first or second, one of the first times LeBron was on the Heat uh, visiting uh, Banker's Life Fieldhouse at the time, went to the game, 
and you know the Heat were dominating, and I'll never forget the and you. This is a highlight, I'm sure. As I say this, is burned into you know everybody's brain. But the full court baseball pass alley oop of it all. The it was a LeBron Dwayne Wade connection, and it. I was in the building, and I it was. I think it was the first or second quarter. It was early, but I knew we were in for a long night. And I'll never forget. It was one of the damnedest things I've ever seen uh, live. But those are the types of moments that get me sucked in. And I'm excited for the the NBA playoffs. Um, Maybe uh, not the biggest fan of the first round. I know some people were, but I think now now it's time to sit back, relax, and see some um, awesome basketball. I did not dial up Netflix for any specials around collectibles and sports cards this weekend. I was too consumed. Um, I just gave you my laundry list and for the most part I was dialed in because I've been focusing in for the last three months on the NFL draft. It's one of my favorite events. Uh, My wife was very, uh, she tolerated my um, degenerate draft nature. I was very consumed. There was a lot of stakes um, for my team. First night, Buddy came over to enjoy uh, the draft with me, um, my wife, I can't figure out if she had planned this in advance or not, but she went to go see Hamilton. Hamilton was in town, um, saw that with her mother. And so I had the ha- the house to myself. Friend came by um, and uh, actually not to myself. My daughter was asleep. And my biggest fear was I've been waiting three months and the Colts are going to get ready to pick and my daughter's going to explode and I'm going to have to go tend to her. Um, luckily, she didn't. There was a little... uh a little fussing, and I was like, please don't wake up, please don't wake up. But I had pizza, thin crust, I had the wings, and I want to shout out Chatham Tap, Chatham Tap, um, getting those delivered to my doorstep for the draft. If you're an Indianapolis native, or if you're someone coming in and visiting, and you're a wing connoisseur like myself, you gotta go to Chatham Tap. Chatham Tap, I like the hot, people like the signature, I got both. Get them both going, but some of the best wings in town, and their pizza is criminally underrated. This is a sports card podcast. We talk about collecting sports cards, but we also talk about food, baby, because it is our fuel. So I'm sitting there, and I'm just you know dunking in the blue cheese. I'm eating the pizza. I'm gaining all the calories, but it didn't matter because I was so consumed. So I've spent so many hours in preparation of this draft. Logged in. Shout out to the Athletic Football Show. I've listened to every episode um, since the season ended of everything. I've read so many articles. Shout out Athletic contributor Dane Brugler, who wrote the who puts together the Beast, which is the most extensive uh, draft guide you could possibly ever want. Going to Twitter, looking at following people like Warren Sharp, and my mentality going into this, you know, huge draft for my Indianapolis Colts was. I had to be okay with whoever the Colts drafted. And so my positioning publicly, my positioning privately had been very much like, I'll be excited whoever they drafted. I will tell you though, it's human nature when you do the studying, the researching, the digging, you begin to pick favorites. Um, And I certainly began to pick a favorite. And the favorite that I wanted was who we ended up with, and that's Anthony Richardson. The reason why he became a favorite, because I couldn't get over to think, look at this guy with all this potential, pairing him with Shane Steichen, who just turned helped turn Jalen Hurts into a megastar 
And so this was a swing for the fucking fences kind of a draft for the Colts. It was swing for the fences because we were coming off the shittiest season that I can remember. It sucked. And so we needed to change the culture. We needed to change the trajectory. And we got our guy. And it is a dramatic change. And so as after that Thursday, as Anthony Richardson got drafted that Friday morning, I'm walking around. I got all my Colts shit. It's midday. I'm working. Everyone else is wearing their Colts stuff. And it's just amazing how quickly everything changes. And now I'm bright-eyed and I'm bushy-tailed and I think we had a good draft. I'm sure if you're out there, you think the same thing. It's optimism, baby. And that's all we have right now as fans. And so I'm fired up. I'm actually kind of sad the draft is over. I'm on deep compressing, looking through all the late round selections, understanding the stories of these young men who will be filling out the roster of my team. But I think it was a fun draft. I love it. It's just the best entertainment of all time. I'm going to talk a little bit more at the end of this episode about Anthony Richardson and why I'm a sicko and why I already bought a card. So we're going to talk about that. Hopefully you enjoyed that episode with Drake, reoccurring guests on the show. The goal of that show is really to put some perspective on Dustin said it a little bit. Let's talk about this rock sale. There's been a lot of my card is worth X now because of this sale and I don't know. That's probably not the best way to think about uh, cards going up, but inevitably individuals within our hobby like to do that. And I'll say this, it takes time. Everything takes time. It takes momentum. Everything's not knee-jerk. Just because one card sold for six figures doesn't mean the card you have is worth six figures. It's just the nature of the beast. Look at the data. Look at the timeline. Look at how these things work. If you want to be a student and you actually want to sell your card and you want to sell it for a price that you're excited about, do some homework. I've seen so many cards thrown up there and it's just laughable. And I'm not sure when you see cards that are thrown up there that are six to seven to eight to nine to 10 times what they were a week ago. I'm not sure that's a good look, but that's me. So we're giving you a collector perspective from someone who actually has some skin in the game. And I thought it was really important, and I like to do this. Uh, Hopefully, if you listen to the Stacking Slabs podcast, you know this show is about authenticity. You know this show is about transparency. And so trying to give you a little disclaimer up front, you got to walk that fine line. Got some rock cards. Drake's got a lot of rock cards. I actually popped a rock card that I'm freaking proud of. One of my favorite rock cards, actually, immediately in my collection, I posted this on Instagram. You can follow me at Stacking Slabs across all those social channels. The Panini One, one of one rock out of Chronicles. Got that back from PSA. PSA 10, gem that SOB. And I was really excited about that because all the other Panini Ones I had seen, eights and it's all seven and some nines. I had not quite seen a 10 in public or in the digital world. And the card I got, which I believe is probably the, the best card, the biggest card of the set, Um, I own it, and I got it in a 10, so that was a really good moment. This week, we have a uh, unlocking a new character on the program, Charm City Tim, Hall of Fame PC. He's got some Ray Lewis cards. He's got some stories along with it, but I think it's really fun to bring new collectors on to share uh, their excitement, and I'm excited for this conversation. We have uh, gone in the DMs for some time, and I think 
you know, through conversations and learning more about collectors, it's always fun to get that moment where you're like, you know what? I think this actually would make for a pretty damn fun episode. Let's get you on the program. I posted on Instagram and my stories earlier this week, and I got an awesome response. And I'm going to share this response because I feel like it can make for some good banter on this episode of Stacking Slabs. But I posted, we admire the cards that end up filling the gaps in our collections. But in many cases, the process for which we get those cards are just as important. And um, received a lot of responses, but I got a really good one. So I want to shout out my man, uh, Paper Street Sports Cards. Um, Paper Street Sports Cards um, explained it's the process, the planning, and ultimately the sacrifice that builds into the accomplishment of acquiring a great card. When I spend time with a cornerstone of my collection, I see not only the card in front of me, but also the former pieces of my PC that had to be moved in order to make that now foundational card a reality. Only this, and this only strengthens my collection. And to me, that's such good perspective. I've talked a lot about just the fluidity of our PCs and being open-minded and being able to move cards in your collection that you love to get cards of your dreams. And I think many of us are in situations where we're busy professionals, we're providing for our family, and any discretional income that we do have, we spend it on cards. And we get in these rabbit holes where we buy cards and buy cards, and all of a sudden we have a stack of you know, $100, $200 cards when we think about cards that seem outside of our hemisphere well if we take these 20 cards that we bought over the last two months that are 102 to 100 a pop and sell them then maybe we become get in a situation where we get a little bit closer to those cards and i think there's this fondness that i have of cards that i have sold and it's a don't look back attitude on those but appreciation for the time spent and also the ability of those cards to help get me to where I want. I think it's a tribute to the cards that we give up along the way. We see these cards in public, and they trigger memories. Public, at shows, online. I saw a Peyton Manning in a showcase at a show, and um, it was a it was a select field level Manning, gold. And I knew it was my card, because when I sold the card, it was um, PGS 9.5, and I knew it was a pop one. And I saw this card at a show and I had a conversation with the individual with the card in the showcase. And that wasn't the individual that I sold it to. He had bought it, I think, from the person who I had sold it to. So it's fun when you, and when I looked at that card, I was like, man, that's a great card. But it was great for that moment in time in my collecting. I didn't need that card again, but remembering having it was very fun. And I think taking a step back, we get so sucked into the, this is what's happening now. This is what I got to do. Like, it's okay to take a step back. It's okay to breathe. And I think growth for the collection is letting go. I think growth for the hobby can be a piece of that letting go. And there's utility value in each of these purchases. We evolve as collectors. We evolve in our tastes. Our, we evolve in the types of cards. We evolve in the types of players. We evolve in the segments. The more that we can recognize this evolution and adapt to it, the more enjoyable of a hobby experience that we have. Listen, everybody, 
I'm not perfect. I am not the best collector in the world. I don't have expert sage advice to tell you to do these things and this is how you do it. I am learning along the way, but I'm expressing what I'm learning in public and I hope you gain some value from that. So when I hear something from someone that I think is really good perspective and advice, I try to use this platform to share it out with you. I think the most fun and exciting thing in our hobby is the ability to open and share new ideas and curate your cards and share them with everyone else. The more that we do this and keep that conversation going on publicly, the stronger the hobby gets. That is what I am talking about. And I mentioned PSA sub. You know, when we get these subs back, it feels like Christmas. It always does. I know you grade cards, you don't grade cards. There's Everyone's got their reasons. And I grade my cards because this, that's how I like to collect. I like my cards authenticated. I like my cards in my collection in a certain way. And so when I recently, I had gone this year like three months and I realized, man, I have no, I have no orders out, which was atypical because I feel like for the longest time, there was always some sub happening for me. And I think I just got busy. I think I accumulated in my process most of the time. And this isn't a hundred percent of the time, but I buy a lot of my cards raw. A lot of cards I buy raw and I let them accumulate. And then I get to the point where I say, okay, now it's time to grade these things. And so that's what happened with this sub. So I had two separate lanes. This is PSA order. I had a regular um, sub, which was like $75 a card. And there was four cards. And then I had a value post-1980 or whatever it is sub. Now the regular sub, it was interesting because the regular sub was supposed to take 10 days and I submitted it on April 4th and ended up getting shipped out April 26th. So there's delay there. But then my value sub, it got submitted April 5th and shipped that same day as the regular April 26th. And they actually came together. So that was supposed to take 65 days. And that obviously was way quicker than 65 days. So I find it interesting, like the levels, what's happening. I think it's gotten a lot better than what it was. Um, certainly, but um, that's something I'm always monitoring. Um, it's fun to me getting cards back too because it makes you appreciate them once again in their new form. And also I like, uh, it gives you a little a pipeline of cards to post on Instagram and share. I mean, it's always kind of that second share, which I find fun. And usually cards that I get back, I me- immediately separate into piles. Um, these are going, these are not going. And I realize with this sub, there's not a lot of stuff that I'm letting go of, at least right now. So I want to go back to the draft. I want to go back to staying. Tr- I want to talk about this staying true to a collecting lineage. Okay. So when something happens in sports that really excites you, then we sh- as collectors should immediately evaluate what it means for our collecting. I think a combination of emotion Irrational behavior and passion fuel the most authentic purchases in our hobby. And these are purchases that are pieces in our collection that we're just not going to let go of because there's intention behind it. These are the buys that matter most and I think are the most important to us. Doing this show gives me the opportunity to be creative and express myself. And one thing I will say right now to express myself, in my opinion, is that 
the existing mainstream hobby notion should mean nothing and have nothing on the impact for how we collect if a certain card makes us feel something. And so I asked the community, what are these hobby myths? What are these hobby narratives that suck that we just need to call out and be done with? And so I'm going to close out the episode by sharing what you have said about those things. I have not read them yet. And this is kind of fun for me. It's just reading them um, for the first time as I'm having a conversation with all of you. But the, the catalyst was this from this was after the dust had settled, or maybe it even it had not settled, but we drafted Anthony Richardson. I was freaking out. I was high-fiving. I was text messaging. I was tweeting. I was posting on Instagram. All the things we do. I was just freaking out. I was glued to my phone, like literally glued to my phone. And I had this moment where all this activity was going on where I was like, shit, I need to look at eBay right now and see if there's any cool Anthony Richardson cards that I can buy. So when I buy them, I can say, you know what, everybody, I'm a day one. I'm a day one Anthony Richardson collector. That's where my irrational brain took me because I have a lineage of Colts quarterbacks in my collection. And this was a pretty big, important day to add to that lineage. Okay, so we understand that there's not prism out, there's not select out, there's none of these big brands that we're used to collecting. And so I knew the card I was going to get, obviously, because he was just getting drafted to the Colts in that moment, was a college uniform card, a Florida Gator card. And you know what? I didn't give a shit because I just wanted an Anthony Richardson card. So we all the time here, don't buy cards of guys in their college uniforms. Don't do that. Why? Why don't we do that? Because the value isn't going to 5X overnight. I don't care. I'm in this moment, baby, and I want a fucking Anthony Richardson card. And the only thing that's available right now is Anthony Richardson in a Florida uniform. So let's go. So what I did is I pulled out my phone, I popped open eBay, and I searched Anthony Richardson card. And I immediately saw the display. And you know what was cool? Because I saw the 2022 Bowman University set. And I had seen this set here and there. But now I had a reason to explore this set. And just so happened to be 15 minutes left on the ticker. Clock was ticking down. There was an Anthony Richardson Bowman University gold refractor out of 50 in an SGC 10. And I saw that car and immediately I looked at comps. And I think the last comp was like 300 raw in March or something. And so I decided I want this card. And I put a big chubby mega bid on that thing and ended up getting the card for a percentage of what the last raw sale was. It was awesome. I think maybe people were consumed by the draft, not thinking cards. But I'm so excited to get that card in my PC because it helps add and contribute to the story that I want to tell around the legacy of Colts quarterbacks. I don't give a shit if he's in college in this uniform. I don't care. I'm buying Andrew Luck cards in Stanford gear right now because I love Andrew Luck. And also the cherry on top of all of this is the fact that I love Bowman football cards and haven't had a reason or haven't seen any Bowman football cards until right now. So really excited about that. Um, When that card lands, I'm certainly going to um, share it on my Instagram. But I asked you, the listeners and the followers of the Stacking Slabs podcast, 
ask what what are these what is a hobby narrative that we hear like shouldn't wear college football uniforms that we need to kill and so here are some ones that i'm going to call out i'm just going to rip down the list so ap cards 23 that you should be consolidating into higher price cards i love it i talk a lot about consolidation on this show because it's how I operate. Just because I'm doing it doesn't mean you need to do it. And so I love that call out. Adam, the real 27 guy, he just said, I like college card example. I love college cards made at the beginning of a player's career. Mission Street cards. Oh, he is on a tear. I knew he'd have some passion behind this. Don't buy pitchers in baseball. Don't buy non-QBs in football. Don't buy tie cuts. Always buy first year. Always buy rookie cards. Uh, I want that always. I love all of those. Thanks, brother. The always buy rookie cards too. I, I'll just never understand that, and that's a value thing, and that's a narrative. But most of the cool cards of players are later on, in my opinion, or based on who I collect. So limiting yourself to one year when you really have passion around it seems silly. Flippity flip cards only buy quarterbacks in football. Another one, Mister Receiver Collector over there. Let's go. We got Derek. Don't buy base cards not applicable to every set of all time. Come on, folks. Love it. 90s Kid Card Collector, you need to send that in for grading. Put quotes on that. That's good. Sea Dice cards, playing years cards. There is a, a lot of passionate people who don't believe in the playing years uh, angle, which is good. Um, ZPM sports cards, don't buy PSA 9s. Only PSA 10s are the grade you should buy. Tasty card sandwich. Don't buy cards of non-goats. Paper Street sports cards. Another appearance. Don't buy shiny cards. Only game-worn on-card RPAs will hold value. Mad City Collector. This player plays X position, so you shouldn't collect them. That's going to keep coming up. Drake's PC. Don't buy cards graded by BGS. Only PSA. Very good. Iowa Dave. Never buy right at release great thanks now i've missed a card i need for my pc so good the melting boy don't collect anyone but quarterbacks again wolverines collector 80 don't grade one of ones need to go i love grading one of ones all day every day baby charm city tim don't buy defensive players they'll never be worth any money in the long run tecmo cards don't buy cards of retired players Bank blue line sports cards only buy QBs. Don't buy big men in basketball. Vertical RPAs is the true RPAs. Clemson collector only buy PSA 10s. There are plenty of raw and lower grades that are overlooked. Badger pride 36. No defensive players, no NBA big men, no pitchers only buy game ward. It's like everyone got together and had a chat before they uh, put these in. Wadashiwa 05 just buy singles really skips over a ton of benefits of ripping wax pro wax ripper there. Big J Basketball, if a card isn't worth a certain amount, it shouldn't be graded. Drake's PC, don't buy any post-playing years cards. There it is. Doc collects cards, paying for card investment advice from people with fake bought followers. Ooh, go and read. There are people who buy followers out there, everybody. Look at them. You can find them. Just If you're skeptical, just do some digging. Do some digging. 1956 Tops Guy. Uh, buy the highest grade you can. 1956 Tops Guy. Don't buy non-rookie or first-year cards. Trading card fines. My man, buy non-playing years cards. Mostly 90s basketball cards. Target cards in certain dollar amount range. Trading card fines. Focus on rookie cards. Trading card fines. Buy pitcher cards. Carlson cards. 
do buy the hot new player that will play well because the price will go up if they do. <laughs> it's very we hear that a lot. Also, go look at people who are buying fake followers. It's sad out there. Uh, my man Adam, don't buy pitchers in baseball or big men in basketball, and we're closing it out with mostly '90s basketball cards. You heard this. You're going to hear it again. Don't buy big men. Hopefully you like this episode of the Stacking Slabs podcast and you're enjoying debunking hobby myths and you're doing your damn thing because you are your own collector. Charm City Tim on the program this week. You take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back. More Stacking Slabs on the other side. Peace. Peace.